Hare Krishna, uh, welcome to our Bhagavatam class on uh, September 22nd, still 2019, still San Diego. Om Namo Bhagavate Vasudevaya, Om Namo Bhagavate Vasudevaya. So today we're reading Srimad Bhagavatam, uh, first canto, chapter 3, text 12. Which goes as follows: Tat Septame, which means then in the seventh incarnation. Tat Septame Akutyam, in Akuti. Uh, in Sanskrit, um, whenever a man and woman beget a child, it always states that the child is born in the woman or begotten in the woman from the man. That's just the. I mean, grammatically, it always says that. So tatak septame akutyam in akuti ruchair from ruchi yagyo uh, or yajno uh, lord abhyajayata directly took birth sa he yama dhyayi with yama and others suraganair with or hosts of suras devas demigods. Apart, he protected or he governed Sayam Bhuvantaram, the uh, antara or the tenure or period of governance of Swayam Bhuva Manu. Tatak Saptama Akutyam Rucher Jagyo Vijayata Sadyama Dyaik Sudaganaya Apart Sayam Bhuvantaram. So, uh, Prabhupada has an interesting comment on this. Uh, Prabhupada states here in the purport, the administrative posts occupied by the demigods for maintaining the regulations of the material world are offered to the highly elevated pious living beings when there is a scarcity of pious, such pious living beings. In other words, there's no one to take the position. The Lord incarnates himself as Brahma, Prajapati, Indra, etc., and takes up the charge. During the period of Swayam Bhuva Manu, the present period is of Vaivaswata Manu, there was no suitable living being who could occupy the post of Indra, the king of Indraloka. The Lord himself at that time became Indra, assisted by his own sons, like Yama, not Yama, this is not Yamaraj, this is Yama, and other demigods, Lord Yajna or Yajna, ruled the administration of the universal affairs. So this is interesting, um, that when there is not a qualified person, Krishna comes himself. And you could say, well, it's a big universe. Is there really no one qualified? Um, possible, of course. And also, it could be that Krishna arranges that there's no such person because he wants to come and set an example. Krishna says in the Bhagavad Gita that Yajaracharati uh, Shastas, whatever the best person does, common people follow. And so from time to time, Krishna may simply come and take the position to remind everyone, this is how you do it. And so it shows Krishna's 
sincere concern with the universe. After all, he creates the universe to um, train, to rectify fallen souls. And as a loving father, he is concerned to make sure everything goes right because if the universe is not managed properly, then his purpose is not being served, which is to create a, um, well, I guess you could say a cosmic retraining institution in which condition, conditioned souls can uh, learn how to uh, live properly. And so Krishna personally maintains it, sometimes comes and takes important administrative positions himself. And we see that on earth, Krishna comes as a king, as Lord Rama, he showed how to be a perfect king. Again, as Prithu, Prithu's incarnation is coming up. And uh, we see Krishna showing everyone, this is how, so if Krishna is gonna show how to be an earthly king, after all, this is just one little planet, certainly how much more important is it to show how to govern many planets, how to take a position of cosmic importance. And Krishna does that. In fact, and also Krishna appears in a family of demigods as when he appeared as Vamana, Dave, uh, the son of um, Aditi. So Krishna appeared in a demigod family to show how to do that. So Manus, demigods, uh, earthly kings, Krishna does it all. So Ashtame, which means in the eighth, the eighth incarnation, Meru Devyam, again, in Meru Devi, too, however, Nabir, from Nabi, uh, Jata was born Urukramaha. This is not uh, Trivikrama. Krama means a step, and uh, Uru means a great step. So this name often refers to Vamana, but here it refers to something else, just means the Lord of great deeds. So, Ashtame Meru Devyang to Nabher Jata Urukrama Darshayan, showing Vartma the path, showing the way, showing the path. Darshayan Vartma Dhira Nam of the Dhiras, showing the way of the Dhiras. Uh, Sarvashrama Namaskritam. Prabhupada will translate this dhira as um, the path of sannyasis or those who really renounce the world. And the Bhagavatam says that those people, uh, or actually it says here that path, technically I'm looking at the grammar here, uh, Actually, Prabhupada translates it, the path of perfection. Uh, so technically, it's not the people who have renounced who are described as sarvashrama namaskritam, that they are offered obeisances to or bowed to by all the ashramas. Actually, the word sarvashrama namaskritam refers to the path itself, grammatically, and I... We'll spare you the details, but it's it's quite clear. So, Vartma, there's a path, there is a way which is honored, namaskritam, that is bowed to, people bow to it. Sarvashrama from all the ashrams, sarvashrama namaskritam. What that means is, and, and this path was shown by Urukrama, who was born 
from Merudevi, I'm sorry, in Merudevi, the mother from Nabi, the father. So in his purport, Prabhupada, I'm sure following some commentaries, takes this path to be the path of sannyas. And um, grammatically, it can also mean that in every ashram, in every ashram, uh, which is brahmachari, uh, grihasta, vana, prasta, and sannyas, in every ashram, one should be a dhira, one should be sober, which means not only, you know, not drinking liquor, but one should be wise, one should be, uh, actually, it might be interesting to you to hear from the dictionary all the meanings of the word dhira, which is a word which we often have in our literature. So the word dira in the Sanskrit dictionary means intelligent, wise, skillful, clever, uh, steady, as Prabhupada says, sober, constant, firm, resolute, brave, energetic, courageous, self-possessed, composed, calm, grave. Again, Synonyms for Prabhupada's word of sober, composed, calm, grave, firm, resolute, deep, uh, well-behaved, and so on. So all those are meanings of the word dhira. And so the idea is that in every ashram, one should be a dhira. It doesn't, in every ashram, whether it's uh, Brahmachari or Vihasta or Vana Prasta, which is actually now a real ashram in Iskand. There actually are quite a few people, devotees who are Vana Prastas. When we were all younger, in the early days of the movement, Vana, Vana Prasta was more a, you know, like, okay, technically there is such a thing as Vana Prasta, but no one really is a Vana Prasta. But actually now we do have devotees who are Vana Prastas. And so in every ashram, people should be dhiras and the lord came himself and showed how to do this uh i'm looking to see if Prabhupada gives an appropriate information oh Prabhupada says this is uh, maharaj rishabha rishabha who's described in the fifth canto that's who this avatar is in the fifth canto king rishabha who is very interesting because just as buddha just as uh lord buddha is accepted as an avatar of Vishnu, and he created a religion called Buddhism. So, the uh, among non-devotees, there is a historical figure, or they claim there's a historical figure named Rishabha, who is the founder of Jainism. Jainism and Jains are a group, now in India, it's, it's a small group, although they're very prosperous because uh, they're the ones who are, have these radical views on uh, nonviolence. So they sometimes used to wear masks, some of them still do, I guess, wear masks, so they don't breathe in living entities. So they're, Ahimsa is a very important part of their tradition, and they actually became quite wealthy. Uh, in general, they're prosperous because they didn't farm. They didn't engage in agriculture, 
since you you kill so many living beings when you turn up the soil when you plow and so on when you kill weeds and so they became bankers and and merchants in order to not to engage in in what was for many centuries in, in uh, Mumbai area but interestingly uh, the Jewish community in Europe also became prosperous for a similar reason in the case of the Jains they didn't engage in agriculture because uh, views on nonviolence in the case of the Jews in Europe um, they were forbidden because of anti-semitism because of discrimination they were forbidden from many occupations and therefore they took to those occupations which were allowed them including uh, banking because in the Bible there's some statement about you can't charge interest on a loan and so banking was not an attractive profession for Christians because you couldn't make any money in it so um, anyway but the interesting thing here that well Jainism why is it important if, if there's so few Jains in the world today because uh, thousands of years ago it was a very big religion in fact you know say roughly 2,000 years ago or a little more than that Jainism was as big and prominent in India as Buddhism it was actually a major religion in India and there were Jain kingdoms in India so it was a very important religion and here you have a another view of who that Rishab really was there is a view that there is of course a view of a uh, a non-devotee Rishabha who founded the Jain religion uh, Jainism tends to be atheistic although they believe in an eternal soul it's kind of a little odd but the soul is eternal and reincarnates until it's liberated but there's no God so uh, just like in Sankhya there's an atheistic Sankhya as Prabhupada says and there's a Sankhya given by Kapila so just as in Buddhism there's the Buddha who some Buddhists think was an atheist but the Bhagavatam explains and Shankar explained and other Vaishnava teachers explained that actually Buddha is an avatar of Vishnu who was simply doing the needful at a certain historical time similarly there's the Krishna conscious Sankhya and you could say the Krishna conscious not Jainism but the Krishna conscious Rishabdev as opposed to the claims made about an atheistic and, and they're they're the same person because they both go naked and they both give up everything and submit themselves to all kinds of bodily trouble and uh, and they have the same name so here's an interesting point in the Bhagavatam that here's the real Rishabdev who actually is an avatar of Vishnu so that's a historical note then uh, the next one, Rishi Beer by the sages, Yachito requested, requested by the sages, Rishi Beer, Yachito, Bejay, he accepted Navamang, the ninth Partivang Vapu, the ninth form of avatar, which was that of a king, which was that of a king. Uh, sort of an interesting word, Partiva. The word Prithu. Uh, literally means very wide or great and therefore the feminine form of the word Prithu is Prithivi as in Prithivi Teache Jato or Prithvi which means the wide earth 
That's what it means, Prithvi or Prithivi, uh, the wide earth. But here's King Prithu appearing now as an avatar. Again, the word Prithu means broad, wide, expansive, extensive, spacious, because as we'll see, because King Prithu actually, you could say landscaped and uh, physically managed the earth, which I'll explain. So anyway, he's called Prithu. The feminine form of that word means the earth, the wide earth, Prithivi, or Prithvi. So Rishivir Yachito, requested by the sages, he accepted, took on the ninth form as a king, and uh, So he sort of plowed the earth, or he developed the earth, this earth, and Oshidhir, producing all kinds of minerals and herbs, O sages, he brought in because of him, I am this world, uh, is beautiful and attractive. So Prithu actually landscaped, developed the earth. We know the story from the um, fourth canto of the Bhagavatam that the earth was not producing food to feed people. There were all kinds of problems. And uh, Prithu uh, made the earth beautiful, made it productive, made it beautiful, did sort of very large scale earth moving. And so this is very interesting. Of course, he's also a great king. There's that famous allegorical story where he pursues, uh, is that preach? I'm sorry, no. Anyway, the story of Prithu, who's born uh, when Vena, the king, is killed, and then his son, he's born as the son from Vena's body. But So Prithu is a very interesting incarnation, someone who physically redoes the planet, the earth, makes it productive in terms of agriculture, and... Uh, makes it beautiful. So planetary landscaping. Then Rupam Sajagrahi Matsyam, which means he accepted the form of a fish. Rupam, the form Sajagrahi he took on. Rupam Sajagrahi Matsyam, Chakshushodidi Samplave, in the flood, inundation, Prabhupada translates it, the same thing, Samplava, uh, in the ocean flood during the reign of Chakshusha, Manu, and Navi on a boat, Aropya Mahimayam, Apad Baibasatam Manu. Uh, he protected Baibasatam Manu, uh, Mahimayam, when, uh, let's see how Prabhupada translates it. Protect, keeping him upon a boat. So yes, so he placed Vaibhaswata uh, Manu on a boat and saved the Manu, and as we know, also saved the Vedas. So this is Lord Fish, and Lord Fish is described actually twice in the Bhagavatam. Or no, is that Lord Varaha? Sorry, take that back, Lord Varaha. That's described twice. Anyway, this is very interesting, coming as a fish. I used to say when I was younger that Krishna is the supreme surfer because after all, you know, the, the best surfers in the world, they're always looking for the biggest waves. They go around the world looking for the biggest waves. And so the supreme surfer in the universe surfs the waves of annihilation, 
I mean, those are the biggest waves in the universe. When the when the whole world is flooded, and you realize how big the waves are. When the, I mean, we're talking about waves that are thousands of miles big. That's a wave. So if someone thinks they're a great surfer. That's the standard. And so Krishna, I mean, you think about it. People like to surf or body surf or you know boogie boards used to call them or an actual surfboard. But if you really want to surf, if you really want to surf, you just you become a fish. Of course, not a stupid fish, you know, those big eyes and little brains, but you become an omniscient fish. You become, you know, Krishna becomes Lord Fish. And he's just, I mean, it's such an amazing scene. Here he is, he's got a boat behind him on the boat, or, you know, by this poor Manu who's getting, Chakshusha Manu who's getting flooded, puts him on a boat, puts the Vedas in the boat, and then Lord Fish is just, you know, surfing the wave, the waves of, of annihilation, you know, pulling his boat behind him. So it's, um, I mean, once you understand Krishna, how could you accept anyone else as God? It's just, I mean, any other concept of God is just so boring and so uninteresting. I mean, how could you accept a God who's not the supreme surfer? <laughs> it's an obvious point, isn't it? Krishna is just so much more interesting. And, and God, you don't want a God that just sits up there like guilty, innocent, or let there be this or let there be that. I mean, that's nice, and that's part of the job. Uh, but Krishna's a real person. He can do amazing things. So once you really understand Krishna, you're stuck with Krishna. You can't, I mean, nothing else will satisfy you because everything else is boring. So next, uh, Sura Sura Nam of the Suras and Asuras, demigods and demons, Udadi, Matnatam, who were churning the ocean, Mandarachalam, Tadre, he bore, uh, he he sustained or held up uh, Mandara Mountain. Kamata Rupena with a tortoise form. Prishta on his back. Ekadashe in the 11th incarnation. 11th. Well, you know, Ekadashi. Ekadashi literally means the 11th uh, lunar day of the month. Ekadashi, the 11th lunar day. Prishta Ekadashe Vibhu, the Almighty Lord. So. Lord Fish, very interesting avatar. Now, Prabhupada used to always laugh and say that um, that this incarnation of Krishna, you know, his back was itching. And so he just put a mountain on his back and had the demigods and demons, you know, uh, use it as a churning rod. That means that with Vasuki, of course, who was the, the rope. And so you get this mountain whirling at high speed, you know, no, a little bit more to the right. So... <laughs> Again, Krishna is so funny. He's just so funny, so entertaining. He's young. I mean, Krishna, it's not that Krishna, that God is old, but he appears as a young coward boy. He really is young. This is the thing that young people would do. In this case, God. But still, to play like this, to take, you know, to come as a tortoise and then to put a, a mountain on your back. And so from the point of view of the demigods and the demons, the suras and the suras, Lord tortoise was just helping them out, helping them turn the ocean. From a tortoise's point of view, he was getting them to scratch his back. So, 
this stuff is hilarious. I mean, it's just, uh, these are most charming pastimes and, and original. Like who would guess if you're brought up in, in a religion where God is simply almighty and there's reverence, I mean, you would you would be totally faked out. You would never guess that Krishna is going to come as a fish, as a tortoise, as a boar, as a hog. I mean, a hog is not the most not considered the most elegant creature on earth. And generally, you don't invite a hog to your, you know, white tie dinner parties. So no one's going to think, well, God's not going to come as a hog. In fact, that's a it's kind of a term of derision, like to insult each other. People say, "You pig." you hog or something like that, it's, it's actually an insult. And yet, Krishna, no one saw this one coming, he comes as a boar. So here he's coming as a, as a tortoise, very interesting. So then the next, uh, Danvantaram, which means the incarnation of Danvantari, Dwadashamam, the 12th, Dwad like Dwadashi. Dwadasham means Dwadashama means the twelfth incarnation. Trayodasham Evacha and indeed the thirteenth. So they're giving two here. Apayayat, Apayayat Suran, and this is the thirteenth. He protected the Suras, the Devas, Anyand, and others, Mohinya, Mohayanstriya, by sort of play on words because the word uh uh mohinya by the avatar of mohini so it's interesting in this pastime of churning the ocean of milk krishna appeared twice two avatars for one for one event first he appeared as lord tortoise so they could put the churning rod on his back and then once the nectar was produced and uh the suras and the suras were fighting over it Krishna came again, second time, this time as Mohini Murti, and said to the demons, hi, big boys, what do you got there? <laughs> and they, um, of course, they completely fell for it. You know, stupid men always do. So what's it? The word Mohini, you may find this interesting, is formed from a Sanskrit verb, mu, M-U-H. And from that same, verbal root you have the word mudha which means confused bewildered foolish mudha but from the same root you can also have the word moha and so moha or mohana means uh confused but confused in the sense of enchanted like something which is confuses you or can, even can make you foolish but by enchanting you and so Mohini is the feminine means, it's the feminine of one who is, you could say in English, an enchantress, one who confuses and bewilders by enchanting. So that's what the word Mohini actually means. And then you have the verb Mohayan. So with the, you know, as, as a, a woman, as a female, as a woman enchantress, enchanting, by enchanting as an enchantress, uh, he, he, you know, saved the, the, the demigods. So that's what Mohinya Mohan. That's what those, those two words mean, obviously from the same root. And Apayayat, actually Apayayat means he made, okay, so literally it means Apayayat, he gave, 
he made the suras, the demigods, he made them drink, meaning the nectar. So he made, he allowed or he made the suras drink and anyam, the others, which means the asuras, uh, bewildering them by his mohini form, which is a female form. So this is a rare female avatar of Krishna. And of course, there's two. The first line refers to another Danvantri, who and and little is said about him in this verse, but Danvantri is said to be the um, the avatar of Krishna who brought the medical science to the world. And I won't go into the topic of to what extent do we have his original medical science. Uh, I'll be nice and not go into that today. So, Chatur Dasham, the 14th, Narasingham of Narasingha, Chatur Dasham, Narasingham, Bibrat, uh, holding, and then later we have the word Ura, which means on.